1: welcome to the first installment of mission log live a little bit different from the regular mission log podcast
2: first of all uh you can see us i'm john champion and i'm ken ray and most importantly you are now part of this show Uh, Star Trek Discovery is brand new. We know you have a lot of uh, opinions, questions, and thoughts about the latest incarnation of Star Trek, and we want to hear them. We want to talk about them with you. Now, if you want the only uh, audio version of this show, well, you're in luck there as well. The premiere episode of Mission Log Live will go into the regular Mission Log podcast feed tomorrow, or maybe even later tonight, and then all the subsequent episodes will be carried in their own separate feed, and we'll give you information about that just as soon as we have that Separate feet of its own.
1: Now, Ken, we had kind of already planned to uh, introduce more about what we're doing on this show, but uh, first I would like to do this. I would like to uh, offer up a toast to the launch. Oh, is that, is that what that's, a, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. I have, a, <laughs> I have an NCC 1701 uh, glass here from the, the kitchen at uh, Mission Log World Headquarters. So, uh, cheers, nice. my friend. Uh, and, nice and to, to uh, uh, launch this with you, and welcome to everybody else. Indeed. Oh, that, uh, that smarts a bit. Um, <laughs> so, spoiler alert, this is a good time to get this across. Uh, this show is and will be absolutely full of spoilers because we assume that you have all watched Discovery. That's why we're doing this, is so we can talk about it in the immediate real time that we've all just watched Discovery. So here's a place where we can talk about it as if we were all sitting at home on a couch and we just watched it together. And uh, here's how all of this will work. Every Tuesday after a new episode of Star Trek Discovery has aired, we'll be live and inviting
2: you to join us. And there are, you know, in the mission log way, a few ways that you can do that. You can click the link in the comments uh, to join the Zoom video call, or you can just pick up the phone and call 323 522 5641. That number again, 323 522 5641. Enter the conference number that you see on the screen now and don't save that conference number because those links actually change from episode to episode. The number, of course, stays the same 323 522 5641. But then the other stuff that you have to do changes. So uh, check back each week uh, for the right. uh, for the right way to get it in, because we are certainly looking forward to talking to you.
1: By the way, quick shout out to Tim, uh, Philip, Ben, and Thomas, who all wished us cheers. So thank you again, guys. It's, uh, it's that kind of a
2: show. Hey, you're getting right. that pretty hard there, pal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what we do every week on Mission Log, is uh, we do a little description. We do a synopsis of the episode. We don't want to do that here because we are live. That takes time to do. But I'm going to give you the shortest of short recaps of what happened in episodes one and two of Star Trek Discovery. That would be the Vulcan Hello and Battle at the Binary Stars. So this is the one, well, the two episodes where we meet the cast and then uh, kill or maim half the cast. We meet Michael Burnham, (laughs) Uh, a human raised on Vulcan, now the first officer on board the Shenzhou. Did I say that right? Uh, we have uh, the captain, that would be Philippa Giorgio. We have the science officer, Lieutenant Saru. Then you got the Klingons, uh, who have stayed out of Federation business for about 100 years. One of them, Takuvma is bent on reuniting the 24 Klingon houses to take on the perceived threats of the Federation. An accident accelerates the coming battle with the Klingons, and Burnham argues to her captain that they should fire first. They don't. And when the Federation ships show up, well, it's a bloodbath. Uh, many ships are lost, including the Europa and the pirate twins. We are left with a dead captain and a dead Klingon leader that leaves his heir apparent Vok to take over and Burnham court-martialed for immunity. Mutiny. Munity? That's mutiny. I haven't written correctly. Yeah, mutiny. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: So uh, the kinds of things that we're looking to talk about on this show are the kinds of things that we talk about on a regular episode of uh, Mission Log. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some talk, I would assume, about you know, design, some talk of you know, how things actually look. But the kinds of questions that we're sort of considering are things like, did Michael Burnham do the right thing? Did Captain Giorgio do the right thing? And what exactly is motivating the Klingons? I guess if somebody wants to argue that the Klingons also did the right thing, it'll be interesting to talk to you. Um, Those are the kinds of questions, though, that we're looking to hit. And, of course, we want you to bring your own thoughts and your own questions as well. If there was something that you saw that you're like, man, that is really Star Trek, um, we want to hear about that yeah
1: and once again how can we hear about that from you well click that little link in the comments to join our zoom video call or call 323-522-5641 and enter the conference number that's on the screen uh those links change again for each episode that we do so check back each week for the right one um before we go to your calls we do want to bring out a special guest um Look, I don't know how to phrase this, but as soon as we announced Mission Log Live, there was this one guy who kept calling and texting and saying, ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me. I want to be on. I want to be on. And I'm like, can we we just really, seriously? (laughs) Uh, But we are going to welcome into the show tonight. And uh, here he is, our executive producer and our good friend, Rod Roddenberry
3: hey guys how you doing I'm, I'm so glad you let me call into the show it's I've, I've waited five years to finally get on an episode yeah
1: you paid for it so uh, <laughs> yeah welcome <laughs> so uh, it, here's the thing we, we're not going to have you on super long but we do have some questions for you because this is this is a unique time for you it's a unique time for star trek um you're a big fancy pants producer now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Right. Um, but but I, I'm just thinking about your connection to Star Trek ever since you were a child, that this wasn't your business. It was the family business. You've always kind of had an arm's length from Star Trek. Yeah. And now you find yourself in a position of actually being involved in the production of a show. I want to ask you a little bit about well what your involvement is like, but h- how does that feel? i mean uh, w- how do you find yourself now waking up as a guy who's actually working on Star Trek as opposed to somebody who kind of had this separation from star trek uh,
3: y- you know th- there <laughs> I-, I don't want this to sound like me just being nice, it's its 100% true. There are so many people involved with the show, so many producers, so many executive producers, uh, writers above the line and crew below the line, of course, the cast. Um, it, it, it's It's an incredible collaborative effort and and there are people who are sort of off in the outskirts that that uh, share thoughts, ideas, notes, comments on scripts, revisions, and outlines that that come in and and that would be sort of my end of things and uh, trevor's end of things and then there are the people who are in the office every day busting their ass uh, to write these episodes um, and they're they're the real heroes they're the ones who who have really worked night and day i mean they've been killing themselves and i i i have to give them credit and of course not to leave out everyone who's up in toronto um working on the set i mean the crew's been spectacular and the cast i mean i have limited exposure to the cast but from what i've seen everyone there seems to get along so far everyone seems to be like good People, the, the the idea of ego has not seemed to hit anyone. Um, I think we've seen uh, uh, Shaniqua Shin- uh, Martin-Green on a number of the shows, and she is the sweetest, uh, most humble, loving person. Um, and the, the, the cast is spectacular. Doug Jones. I mean, who doesn't love Doug Jones? Uh, for those of you who don't know him, um, he, he's, he's played so many different characters. Uh, unfortunately, most of the time his face is covered like it is on, on this show, But he has got one of the biggest hearts. So it seems to be the right group of people to do this job. And it's the right uh, group of people to do a a Star Trek series, in my opinion.
2: There's a, I mean, you know better than, gosh, any of us. I mean, there's a certain mantle, there's a certain banner uh, that's involved with Star Trek. And what's been really interesting is watching a lot of the actors, especially, because the actors are the ones we see. Watching a lot of the actors really carry that banner. I mean, they're not saying, yes, I'm the star of this or I'm the captain of this. I mean, maybe they are doing that somewhat. But a lot of the time they've been spending talking about how important Star Trek has been and how they see it as an important thing to be a part of.
3: Yeah, no, it's been it's been great to actually hear people talk about it publicly uh, that are on the on the cast and of course crew side. Um, when people are talking about Star Trek, they're paying homage and tribute to the legacies, to the idea. Uh, this this is not just science fiction. Um, that's been done. That's out there. We can see science fiction other places. Star Trek has a special uh, spot out there. It means something to people and it carries a message. I'm I'm preaching to the choir, but. I mean, it talks about that beautiful future where we no longer fear difference and change. We no longer, uh, I don't want to say we even tolerate diversity. We embrace it. We love the differences between us. And, and our casting, my God, the casting for the show is spectacular. Um, and and I, was, I was just talking to a group of people. I remember reading some earlier scripts and, and the, the parts were of men. And then casting would come along and be like, you know what, this, this should be a woman. And, and there was, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of sort of like, let's get the right person for the job. And I, you know, I I can't thank the casting department and the casting team enough for doing that. Um, They've nailed it. And they've, they've, they've kept the legacy of star Trek from series to series going. Cause they've really stepped up and brought the right people in man, woman, whatever it is, they brought the right person in. Now, so um,
2: no, go, go ahead, ahead,
1: Ken, go ahead.
2: Well, I was, I was going to say a lot of the response that I am hearing from people, and maybe it's because I know a lot of Star Trek fans, but a lot of the response that I'm hearing from people has been you know, pretty phenomenal. Um, what kinds of things are you hearing? What kinds of things are you picking up? Like, what have you heard over the past few days since, you know, the, the public at large has gotten to see it uh, that's really resonated with you?
3: You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm, not, I'm not going online. I'm not looking. Not because I'm afraid of any negative. I mean, there's going to be negative no matter what. Um, I. This series, and as I think most of you know, I don't think I'm letting any spoilers out. There's the first two episodes, which I think everyone's seen who's watching this, I hope. And then we start an entire new series almost, um, or at least a whole new backdrop for our characters. And it, 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 this series changes throughout every episode, and it's very dynamic. Um, I, I almost want to just not pay attention to anyone until the end of fifteen. Um, Because I feel like that you can finally sit back and go like, huh, you know, I I feel like you guys should do one final episode after the 15th episode that that brings it all together. And everyone looks at the entire series and says, remember, way back 15 episodes ago, we started here. We ended here. What is that story? What does that mean? What are the morals, messages, meanings, all of that stuff? Um, So I I, I haven't heard much. Sorry to 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 make a short question longer or a little short answer longer. but I'm I listen, there's going to be lovers and haters. And and that's kind of what I want you guys to do. I mean, it's not you guys are the ones who kind of thought of the show idea, which I think is spectacular. And I'm so glad you're doing it. Um, I, I'm hoping that that, as you said, you can continue the dialogue that that you and John have and and can actually when people bring in questions, I'm I'm hoping there'll be you know, for the most part, well thought out questions, we I, I prefer people not to come in and be like, I hate it. Um, I, I hope people will say, like, listen, I didn't like episode, whatever, because of these five things, and then be able to have that conversation, like the two of you often do. Uh, I, I think this is the platform for Mission Log. And we invite, I'm, I'm saying your lines, but we invite all points of view, all perspectives. Um, and you guys have always handled that well, um, I'm going to stop talking in just a bit. But you guys have always been able to sort of Look at the positive, the negative, find balance in between and be objective. And all I I can do at this point is is hand it back over to you guys, because I can't thank you enough for doing an amazing job with Mission Log.
1: That's very kind of you. And uh, by the way, before we let you go, uh, some questions that are coming in from people who are watching right now live on uh, Facebook. Uh, Our buddy Tim, Tim Robertson, he wanted to know if you're actually involved in casting at all.
3: I, I'm not. I, I, I would love to take credit for that. Um, I, I really had very little to do. We, we get the, uh, the casting forms come in by email. We get the name. Uh, we get a picture of someone. Early on, we got videos. We got, to, we got to look at videos. And then, of course, yes, we did say, I like this person. I don't like this person, although I don't think we said we didn't like this one. Uh, but Shaniqua Martin-Green, when she came in, uh, we loved her, but she wasn't available. Uh, and so we were kind of bummed, but there were a lot of great people at that point. And so we looked down the road, there were some other people that were looked at, and all of a sudden she became available. And, you know, everyone felt the same way. We, we can't take credit saying we found her. The, the entire team found her. She, she just stood out. And so we are so lucky. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm so lucky that she got killed <laughs> on Walking Dead. <laughs> she got killed, right?
1: Hey, uh, wh- what other question here? And then we'll let you go. Uh, Holly asks, uh, maybe I missed it in the coverage, but why not Majel's voice for the computer?
3: Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I, I don't know the answer. I, I think it's more of a, a technical issue right now. Um, I, it, the only thing we could do is sort of get a, a, a sound-alike, a voice actor to come in and do it. And I, I just don't think they've, they've done that yet. Um, that's not to say that, uh, I don't know, and I'm not hinting anything. It's not to say that it won't be seen or heard in the future. Uh, but, uh, there, there is nothing to my knowledge so far and a lot of things happen without my knowledge. There's nothing in my knowledge so far where we hear, have a, uh, a computer voice that sounds like her, but again, a lot of things happen without my knowledge.
1: <laughs> you, you just mean that in general in in, 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 life. in life in life yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay i got that, that without my knowledge well look uh i don't know if you have to go right now or not but um i'm going to pretend like you have to go uh, yes. so we can move on with the show and have some other people join us but thank you so much um thank you so much not only for doing what you do with Star Trek Discovery, but for being a, a champion for Mission Log and, and coming on and doing something fun like this. It, it, it means the world to me and Ken. No, oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I, I think it does. I don't know. I'm speaking for you, Ken.
2: Well, no, I, I actually wanted to say really quickly, every time we're on stage, any place like in Vegas, or like, you, when you're starting this show, you kind of um, embarrass me, And and I got to say, I mean, I wouldn't be here doing this if if it wasn't for you and this conversation that you've started between me and John has generated tons of conversation with tons of other people. And, you know, because you get some of the emails as well from people saying, I always thought I knew this about this show. And now, because I've been listening to you guys, um, I'm thinking about it in this way. And that's not bragging on me. That is thank you very much for putting us together because I didn't know John from Adam. And so, you know, um, yeah, thanks for making this happen. And now. Uh, we're going to go make other stuff happen.
3: Absolutely. And everyone, I can't wait to hear all the different points of view and perspectives, exactly what Ken just said. Uh, you guys are going to find elements of the show and the story that, that none of us have thought of, and you're going to point out things. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because uh, that not, not only excites me, but it, it, it triggers things in, in the mind, and, and maybe we can make future things even better. So thank you very much, everyone. I love you all. Live long and prosper. <laughs>
1: Thank you very much, Rob. Isn't
3: there a beaming effect now or something?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right here, I'll do ring, ring,
3: <laughs> delete. Leave meeting.
1: <laughs> All right. Take care, man. So can right, you question let's talk about for how much you I hate discovery now? No, I'm right. <laughs> So question for you, Ken. Uh, You and I have just a a handful of notes about the show. I I think we want to get out really quickly, kind of set the stage uh, for the discussion we're going to have with our listeners. For the listeners who are hanging on, they're posting questions in Facebook, and our chat, and then uh, some of you have already called in, very excited to get to you. Um, But I've just got a handful of notes, just some initial thoughts that that I want to get out, and and then I think you're going to follow uh, that with some of yours. Uh, you want to do that real quick?
2: Um Actually, why don't you do yours, and then we'll take a call, and then I can do mine if you want to, or we can just keep the calls rolling. Great. Okay. I can do so, that thing that I do where I respond to your notes and pretend like I actually wrote some of my own.
1: Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. It's right. just like the regular show, Now everybody has Indy. seen how a sausage is made. Um So I, just to get one thing out of the way right up front, uh the thing that is totally subjective about the show is design. I like it for the most part. I want to see new and different with enough reference to what I already know to start making mental connections. And, and I got that. I got some of that. I didn't get it mm. everywhere, but I got some of that. So I'm I'm cool with it, and I want to see where it goes. Um, my other impression is that this is a Star Trek at war story. So it's going to be different right out of the gate, um, now, I've always said that to me, Star Trek is a stretchy enough format to handle all kinds of different storytelling. Um, so I'm okay with seeing where this goes for now. Maybe if the entire series is that, I might grow tired of it. But I- I'm interested to see where we go with this for now. Um, one thing that I love is that what we have seen so far, the two pilot episodes, uh, that they are a prologue. And I was thinking, okay, imagine that before TOS started, what we saw was Kirk's background with Kodos or Spock's background on Vulcan leading up to joining Starfleet. Everything that we get here informs character and is really just the setup for what Discovery is now going to be. And it's a pretty bold, pretty weird move. And I have a feeling there will be a lot of payoff from the details that we got. Um, And speaking of those characters, uh, there was one thing that I I liked even more the second and third times that I watched it. And that was the Spock, McCoy, Kirk vibe that I got from Burnham, Saru, and Giorgio. Uh, Hmm. Sort of the, you know, there's a little bit of bickering between Spock and McCoy. And then Kirk is usually the smartest guy in the room who is amused by what they're doing, but can also kind of put them in their place. And I got a bit mm-hmm. of that, like Captain Georgia, she has this great moment where she just smiles when she's sitting down in the captain's chair because she's sort of like shut down what Burnham and Saru were arguing about. So I like some moments like that.
2: Mm-hmm. It is a strange thing because you start off with, um, I mean, if you go back to the man trap, you start off with, with the team there, right? Or if you even mm-hmm. go back to the cage, I mean, Boyce and Pike have a relationship that we weren't privy to, but we just sort of jump in in the middle of it. And honestly, that's sort of the way it felt here. And if we didn't have, you know, the unfortunate loss of the ship that they were on and the unfortunate loss of the captain that we came to love in an episode and a half. um, I mean, this is a team that I buy, you know, I don't see, I don't necessarily see uh, Kirk, Spock and McCoy individually, but I see that sort of triumvirate and I would be interested to see how that was going to go and how that was going to grow. And whoops, I guess not. Uh, There's one other thing really quickly, and this was actually a note that I did have down. Um, Visually, it's beautiful. And it's not TOS from 10 years ago, or it's not 10 years before TOS. I mean, you're not going from this bridge to the bridge of the enterprise. You're just not. Um, But it's beautiful. I mean, we live in a different sort of production era now. We live in a different sort of production time now. Uh, Dan Davidson in our chat room, actually, uh, one of the Trek geeks, actually asked a question that I was going to bring up. Uh, so this both answers his thing and addresses the design feel. Um, he um, The sounds, that's how they're tying us into TOS, the sounds. The communicator sounds almost the same. The door sounds the same. There are a number of sound effects that are from TOS. And so I sort of love that. Yeah, okay, it doesn't look the same, but look, you're still here. You're still in that timeline you're still in that place. And it's just a little thing. But then being an audio guy, I mean, audio cues like that are just... Uh, are just, I mean, they totally sell it for me. Uh, do we yeah. have a caller that we want to get to, John?
1: Well, uh, let's ask our technical director if we do. Yes. So let's bring on our first caller. And uh, who do we have? It's Josh. Joshua Zeller. Welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, I, um, I guess going into the, the first episode, I guess the biggest
4: sort of question with all the buildup and the hype is like, well, is this, is this Star Trek? And I think,
1: yeah, yeah i it's think it's so joshua hey josh, we're, we're I, having uh, we're having a bit of trouble understanding you uh, i think the connection is kind of uh crapping out but ken i uh, yeah i think you and i both picked up on kind of similar themes there so ken go
2: ahead yeah i think i think so uh, first of all thank you very much for for taking part josh and sorry the mm-hmm. the technical quality wasn't quite there um yeah, I mean, I believe what Josh was saying was he feels like Star Trek is there, that there is Star Trek in this. There are a lot of people who have, we talked about this on a show recently, John, there are a lot of people who have wondered whether the animated series is actually Star Trek. And mm-hmm. it's not just because it was produced by CBS that makes it Star Trek, I don't think. Although you can argue, I mean, they own the rights, they put it out there, they got the same actors, they were using the same well, drawings of the same costume. So yes, that's Star Trek. That, to me, isn't what makes it Star Trek. What makes the animated series Star Trek is the fact that it actually, it is those stories. It is telling those same stories. It's, it's putting up those same, same morals, if you will. I, there, there is some of that here. There is some of that here. It's very different. And I don't want to say, no, this isn't real Star Trek. The thing is, I don't know that I can quite say yet that it is. I mean, I think it's going to be. It feels like it's going to be. But we're in uh, two episodes of a 15-episode run of we don't know how many years. Um, there were questions that were raised that I think are, that are very much Star Trek. I mean, certainly production wouldn't have allowed them to ask the same questions in TOS, but I mean, they're TOS type questions, I think, which you and I might get to in a bit, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, yes, I mean, it certainly, it certainly stands to be Star Trek. It certainly, it, it, The heart's there. Uh, The writers uh, have the heart for that. The actors certainly have the heart for that. Uh, The producers witness the fact that we just talked to one have a heart for that. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm, uh, I'm hopeful, dare I say. What about you, John?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing. I feel like what we got out of these first two episodes was setting the stage. Um, So, they have posed some interesting ethical questions and the ones that I immediately wrote down for myself, uh, did Michael Burnham do the right thing? Did captain Giorgio do the right thing? And what exactly is motivating the Klingons? Uh, so you, you kind of jokingly asked, uh, up front, uh, is there a way to defend or understand, um, what, you, you know, is there a way to understand their motivation here and understand the individuals who are making up this, this Klingon faction? So these are all good questions that are being laid out. And then really what we have to wait and see over the next 13 episodes is whether or not that plays out in a way that we would consider, quote unquote, Star Trek. You know, the idea is, are we going to get to that place where... I think this is what you're asking It's that optimistic view of the future. And, and to me, it's part of that being better than who you, uh, who you say you are or living up to who you say you are. This is the kind of theme that we identify in episodes like uh, the Corbomite maneuver, which to us is sort of that gold standard of Star Trek, where it's the crew that has been challenged, beaten down and then saying, now we have to go help our enemy. So how much of that will we get in an ongoing story about war? It's it, it's a good question. And we've only just gotten a taste, like I said, that has laid the groundwork. And I, it, you know, we, we don't know yet. We absolutely don't know yet. So what, what I'm seeing that is very Star Trek is you have this cohesive crew, you have these strong characters, you have this idea of them being in space and, Trying to do some level exploration and getting hit with uh, with a, a challenge right away. But now that's going to propel us into a different type of story than we've been used to seeing. Um, do we have another caller we can take?
2: We should also remind people that this.
1: All right. So we've got Tony coming up. Tony Robinson, who I believe would be calling us all the way from the UK. If this is the Tony that I'm thinking of, Tony, are you there, my friend? There's Tony.
0: Hi, Tony. Hello How's it going? It's great. At three uh, thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have some scotch.
1: Oh well, we'll. What was we'll I take for you? Cheers.
0: <laughs> That's the nearest thing I got. But anyway. Okay. So, um, yeah, I just had a comment. I was really taken by the opening sequence. Uh, First of all, I think it it is definitely, for me, Star Trek. It encompasses a huge range of thoughts and, and ideas. But the opening sequence was, for me, was very reminiscent of how So how I imagined uh, indigenous American Indians fearing the oncoming of the white man um, and doing inverted kind of commas there. And they were fearing this federation coming towards them. I know they had dealings perhaps in the past, but now there's this stirring within them. And and now they're fearing for some reason that the, the, the spread of this federation culture will totally obliterate their culture, and they're they're forming together for whatever reason. But that's what I took from it. And the Federation's out there, almost lazy in a way, because they hadn't seen Klingons for 100 years. They hadn't dealt with them. They were totally unprepared, despite the advice coming from Burnham. uh, They were totally unprepared for it, and then suddenly it all kicks off. But, yeah, I I like the premise. I like that starting premise. That was my two cents worth.
2: That's really interesting. I actually wonder if we're going to learn more about what the Klingons' motivation is. I mean, during TOS, the Klingons were just bad guys. They had no honor. I mean, they literally never spoke of honor, talked about honor. It really wasn't until next gen that we started to have them talking a lot about honor, maybe in some of the movies. But really, it was, it was sort of in, the, it was in um, which one? Would it be Star Trek Three, John, where you really start to sort of solidify what the Klingons are, at least as far as you know, backing away from what was in TOS. We saw them in the, in, um, in the motion picture, but we really only saw them in the motion picture. We got to know them a bit more uh, going forward. I'll be curious, yeah. honestly, to see if we get motivation. Like, why did um, why did uh, T- <laughs> want to light the beacon? Why did he want to light like the beacon when he did? I don't know if we're going to get an answer because it's not only our captain we lost; it was their, it was their Messiah as well, or their new Messiah or whatever. So, I mean, do we end up? Do we end up a few episodes in with the Klingons going? Yeah, we didn't really have a plan for this because the guy who planned it, you know, isn't here anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. I mean, are we going to end up with the Klingons who are kind of, you know, wondering why they're doing what they're doing, or are they always going to be mustache-twirling villains? Except, of course, no mustache because they got no hair. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I, look,
1: I, um, I, I agree completely that, you know, the question here is going to be uh, how much more of the, the Klingon mythos we build and and how much motivation we can ascribe to them. The thing that I was fascinated with and, and the thing that I, I hope is developed more is this idea of Klingon faith. You know, uh, we've talked about how Worf is sort of this fundamentalist Klingon because he was not raised Klingon. He's sort of having to construct his identity uh, from afar. And then his run-ins with Klingons who were raised as Klingons are not always harmonious, shall we say. But now we've met a bunch of Klingons who are sort of the true believers, uh, the and Vok. I think Vok is a really fascinating idea because he's somebody who, Uh, I I feel like is almost easily as easily manipulated as he is able to manipulate others to uh, to express what it is that he wants. So I'm really curious to see uh, to see where we go with him Um, and, and how much of how much of what they express about these Klingon ideals is really just to solidify power and how much of it is because they are totally 100% dedicated to this belief system built up around uh, uh and their own sense of identity. So I, I'm expecting more out of them. And so far, I feel like what I've gotten out of the Klingons here has sort of informed a, a little bit of what I know about Klingons from the other series. But all that said, these are different Klingons, different house, Different field, different look, different motivations. So, who knows what the uh, what the future will hold there? Tony, thank you very, very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, get some sleep.
0: Thank you. <laughs> I, I wish you had said get some scotch, but I'll get some.
2: <laughs> All right. Hey, you how do both? You, you. How you get to sleep is up to you, Tony. Really, it's that's true. fine. Get some sleep. Get some scotch. You knew what
0: went on in the background. <laughs> anyway, have a great evening, guys. Great show. Right. Thank you very much, sir. Cheers. Take care. All right. All right.
1: So uh, really quickly here, we want to tell you once again how to get in touch with us. Uh, you can click on that link uh, to take you to the Zoom conference. You can also call us at 323-522-5641 and enter the conference number code. And uh, we will be with you very soon. Uh, but, but first.
2: But first. A word from Eagle Moss. Um, really happy. You know, we were on for a long time before Eagle Moss uh, came on to Mission Log, and then we called them and said, hey, we're doing this new thing, and they came on. So we're really happy to have them be a sponsor of today's show. Of course, you know them as the makers of the teeny tiny starships, uh, though today we're talking about something a bit bigger. It is the official XL Starships collection. We are... Um, these are uh, ships from Star Trek, the original series, all the way through 2016's Star Trek Beyond. Uh, it's the same level of quality and attention to the detail that you have come to expect from Eagle Moss, but, of course, uh, bigger. And I've got one right here, and I don't want to drop it. So I'm going to wait till John's talking, and then I'll show it to you. The no, um, well, I... ship is die-cast and hand-painted and comes with an in-depth magazine. I love these things, featuring the info and artwork uh, highlighting the ship's history. Uh, design and technology on board along with the crew and weapons. Um, and of course, it's that blend of real world and universe information that I love so much uh, that you get in the magazine. Are you telling me, John, that you've actually been showing it? Because I was reading copy; I didn't see. No,
1: I, I'm 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 holding one right now, right here oh, in my hand. Okay. I'm holding the Enterprise E, and uh, yeah. it's super cool, and it's heavy, and it has a beautiful paint job on it, which people probably can't see because it's a little bit blown <laughs> out, <laughs> but it's tremendous. It's a thing,
2: Look Look how happy he is. Look how happy he is right now. Don't you want to be that happy?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm very happy. Oh, and by so the way, John, a little detail I'll point out that makes me very happy is there are no holes in the ship to hold it on a stand. The stand yeah. just sort of slips around the hull there, and then you put it away like that, and uh, no, no holes in your ships can.
2: So here's the thing. If you tell people about the, the, the ship that we're offering a deal on, uh, I can actually hold up that ship because I have I will
1: Glad to do that. You can start your subscription to the XL editions with the impressive eight and a half inch XL edition USS Enterprise NCC one seven zero one D for fifty nine dollars and ninety five cents with free shipping. That's twenty percent off the retail price of seventy five dollars. You'll also receive three exclusive free gifts. Worth a hundred dollars as part of your subscription. The place to get that started is www.st-starship, sorry, <laughs> st-starshipsxl.com/slash-subscribe. Again, st-starshipsxl.com/slash-subscribe.
2: I just crashed my starship into my microphone. I How apologize. I know, I know. So just like all the other subscriptions that uh, Eagle Moss offers, you can cancel at any time. So this subscription is completely risk-free. Now, if subscribing is not your thing, but there is one ship that you want bigger, that you want uh, maybe an XL version of, you can choose from your favorites in the XL editions uh, for the regular price of $75 each. There's a different URL for that. That is st-starshipsxl.com shop saint com slash shop but of course to subscribe uh, to build your fleet and to get the $100 in extras. The address is saint com slash subscribe uh, and an XL sized thanks to Eagle Moss uh, for sponsoring Mission Log Live.
1: By the way, Ken, uh, Chrissy in our uh, Facebook chat here said that you should really have white gloves on. Um, <sighs> And, and I, I couldn't agree more. That's I think, nice. I think uh, yeah, the I is Chris is I should, right.
2: I'd have to paint my ship green. Oh, no. I'd have green gloves, wouldn't I? You the would. You would have a
1: green glove. Yeah. yeah. Do, it depends
2: on if I'm doing the spokes model thing or the I've grabbed the front of the starship and I'm just holding it in place thing. Like <laughs> <the way. laughs>
1: well, let's get back to the calls. Thank you all for uh, indulging us as we talk about our not so teeny tiny starships. Uh, we do have another caller on the line, and that would be Amy. Amy, welcome to the show.
2: Well, hi.
1: Hi, so nice to see you. First
2: time caller. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Glad to have you with us. So what comment or question or thoughts do you have about Discovery?
2: Well, I heard a couple of comments on people that have saying that there's the, um, Michael Burnham's character similar to Ensign Rowe. With her being questionable status in in Starfleet, so I wanted to know if you saw that connection and what you think of it.
1: Oh, no, that's pretty interesting. Um I heard another person who mentioned that, uh, uh, that actually it was uh, Larry Nemicick who suggested that he thought that Michael Burnham was kind of cut from the cut from the same cloth as Tom Paris. You're bringing in somebody to the crew who's sort of um a uh, uh, has been in prison and needs to be rehabilitated and we're not quite sure about having them uh, on the crew. But I didn't think about that with Roe and I'm a big fan of Roe because she was terribly underused and next gen. Um, yes. Yeah, I yeah. could see that. I, I kind of wonder going forward, how, how coarse that relationship will be between Burnham and the other crew members that she is then set up with. So um, I guess that remains to be seen, but yeah, good call. I, I like that, Ken.
2: No, well, there's another really interesting thing that I didn't notice about Burnham, and you should have picked up on it right away. Orphan.
1: Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> she's an orphan. Uh, yeah, as is,
2: oh. you know, almost everybody on uh, the one one D. I mean, you've been yeah. talking about that almost as long as we've been doing next gen. I mean, they've either lost yeah. a parent or both parents. They're all sort of fish out of water, um, which. Certainly she is, although it's interesting. It's kind of like moving koi. I mean, she's being reintroduced to water and that she's like back on the ship. Well, with a human captain, but back uh, back off Vulcan. That's really an interesting idea, actually. I mean, sort of to what John said about Roe being underused. There's a there's a wealth of of stuff about Roe that we just never learn. I mean, she's not cardboard, um, but I mean, largely, if she's going to be on screen, she's going to be grumpy. One of the most interesting episodes with her, actually, I can't remember, was the one where, um, you know, everybody lost their memory. And so um, all of a sudden, this whole new conundrum. Wow, well done. Conundrum! So, uh, all of a sudden, uh, there was this whole <laughs> new uh, sort of um, side of her personality that came out. But that's interesting. You could almost liken her to, golly, half the crew of uh, of uh, the 1701D, actually, because, I mean, she is somebody who... Is, is an orphan, well, with the exception of Jordy, I guess. Almost everybody there could have some bit of Burnham or there's some bit of Burnham in all of them.
1: All right. Amy, thank you so much. All right, uh, any, you any, any parting thoughts? Any, uh, any other thing that stood out to you?
2: Um, no, I'm just uh, right. taking it in. I'm going to watch it again and re-digest and, you know, Great. get all of it before Sunday. So.
1: Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to see you. Hey, uh, before we go to our next call, uh, I want to field a couple of questions here from the Facebook chat. Uh, Mike Seymour says, do you feel that Discovery will give us some more standalone high concept problem solving sci-fi episodes that Trek has in the past? I hope so. That's him saying, I hope so. Not me saying, I hope so, but sure. I hope so. Um, I, I think that is I think that is reasonable to expect. Um, you know, you can't do you can't do bad guy of the week every week. You can't do battle of the week every week, I don't think. Um, so if there are situations that get introduced that show some unity among the crew to solve a problem, sure, I, I don't see why that wouldn't happen. Again, remains to be seen. We got 13 more episodes to go, and then hopefully a season two and beyond. Um, Ken, any uh, any thought about that?
2: Uh, same as you. I hope so as well. Um, and, and same as the person who posed the question. I'm sorry I missed your name. Um, that's the kind of thing that I really want. I understand a two-part starter because, you know, especially the way CBS was doing it, it would be fine not talking about the business model except to say <laughs> broadcast one and then left it sort of hanging so that you would hopefully go over to another. And so that's really all we've seen so far. Now, from what we've heard, it's going to be long continuing stories, but I don't see any reason that you couldn't have, I mean, maybe your A plot is something that's happening that week that really is, you know, raising an ethical question while your B plot is the continuing story that's going on, that's been going on over the last, you know, five, six, 10, however many episodes that the a, a, a continuing story is going to well continue. Um. I certainly hope so. Again, though, I mean, we've already come. I don't know whether the captain did the right thing in this episode. I don't know whether Michael Burnham did the right thing in this episode. I mean, we've already got stuff to chew on, which is exciting. I mean, Rare is the show that says, hey, so here's your hero. But we're not 100% certain that they're actually heroic, right? I mean, Castle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the good guys on Castle always did the right thing. And that's really probably the last primetime drama unquote, that I watched um rare is the show that doesn't tell you what you should think about your main character and while we're all on michael burnham's side i don't know that we could all say that she was right the whole time and that's i mean so i mean right there you're already halfway to star trek i mean if they then introduce questions that are really like yeah, but what do you really think about this or you know solving some moral uh solving some societal and moral moral problem excuse me i mean yeah it's um I mean, we're already we're already a good bit of the way there, I think
1: I I will say one thing related to that question about uh, doing some standalone or problem solving episodes. Um, If anybody watched Enterprise, season three of Enterprise was a bold new experiment for what was that 2003 going into 2004, um, where they decided to tell a season long story. Uh, the Zindi arc that got introduced in episode one and wrapped up by the end of that season. But along the way they did standalong stories as well, standalone stories as well. So you would have episodes that could be taken on their own if you weren't paying attention to everything, but what they would do is just leave a little hint or leave a little bit of that story thread about the overall arc. So you weren't totally missing out. I, I think they found a pretty good balance in that. Now, whether you liked, the series, or like those episodes, or not. Besides the point, I'm just saying that they're able to do it. Um, so that might be the kind of thing that we expect in uh, in
2: Discovery as well. So this show is generally speaking going to be an hour long. It might be a tiny bit shorter than that. It's not going to go over though. The good news is you still have a few more minutes to get your call in. So uh, 323-52-5641 is the phone number, or you can click on that link on that thing that you're watching. Uh, that is exactly what uh, Barry has done can 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 we bring in barry
4: the famous barry the famous canadian cheap canadian discount of uh Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> great to see you barry and look you were calling us from uh, barry DeFord ford uh, world headquarters starfleet it, world headquarters there. I, yeah. as
4: you can see yes i am i am in the trekked out decked out to uh, room for sure i'm doing a bunch of marking and listening to your guys' wonderful conversations so it's nice to be on the show
1: excellent man well welcome and uh what are your thoughts this evening
4: well i watched it with two non-trek fans just last night because i'm a canadian who doesn't have click cable which is fine uh but i i, I swore off uh, social media for the night but um, one thing that i found was is either going to be amazing or it could be a bit of a hurdle for the show is the idea that um, when they're building these Klingons, um, they're sort of making them so that they're no longer um, a mile wide and an inch deep, I like to think of it. You know, like in in the older versions of the Klingons, you you know, you guys are sort of talking and you've spoken before about a monoculture. In this case, we are getting um, so much more in depth into their culture. And I really feel like you know, you could almost do a sociological study on them, perhaps by the end of this. Um, and you may uh, end up with a bit of uh, maybe sympathy for the devil, um, to a degree, uh, to, to quote a, a song that I like.
0: Well, I,
1: I kind of hope that that's exactly what they do. You yeah. know, I mean, we, we've been teased with the idea that there are 24 Klingon houses, and we're just seeing a slice now of one, and they have a very specific belief system and and specific uh uh, sort of take on what is important to them so um i would hope that further down the road we see more of how that integrates into the other klingon houses and what motivates them but but yes i agree as ken was saying a little bit earlier um this uh this thing that we've seen before is sort of uh, what was introduced later in the game uh, around Star Trek Three. these ideas of honor and, and culture for Klingons, but we got the surface view. And now we're going to take a step back, go earlier, dig a little deeper, and at least find out about this one house, and then how that impacts the others, I'm, I'm anxious to see
2: There's also an interesting thing, though. There's a possibility that what we're going to see is the merging of the Klingons into a monoculture. And there are two things that make me think that. I mean, first of all, that's Takuma's whole thing is, you know, we sort of lost our way and we need to come back as one. But the other thing is, and this is a bit of retconning, maybe, and I'm okay with it. When Michael Burnham is fighting that Klingon on the outside of the ship, she sees what the computer recognizes as a Klingon symbol. We know it is the Klingon symbol. So I mean, it's possible that we're going to see a bit, of a, a bit of a melding in a way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I am doing what John calls playing the home game at this point. But I mean, it, it is weird to think that, I mean, we've always had this monoculture and now we're being introduced to there are all these you know, different cultures. But the very beginning of this is we're all scattered all over the place. We need to come back together. We all need to go back to uh, Kronos and, and, and become one again. So, I mean, we may actually be seeing them turn into, you know, both a bigger power and you know, maybe lose a bit of their individuality at the same time. It's tough to say, cause we're only on episode two. <laughs> only episode
4: two. We've so long to go still, don't we? <laughs> but I, I'm, I, I'm, Very I'm appreciating, I'm appreciating the uh, I'm appreciating sort of what's been put forward. And, and like I was saying, I watched it with two non-initiated Trek fans. I guess we could say that they will be, I think for, with this uh, series, I hope at least, um but yeah I, I feel like to a degree they might turn to me and be like what who is a kalis what's a kalis and, and what's a batleth and all that sort of stuff and, and i think as as ambassadors for trek maybe we can uh we can be that as well because we do have a lot of background that we can sort of supplant if anyone does have any questions so that's that's another great thing about uh about this new series and get new people on board
1: yeah. I mean, uh, how did they, uh, how do they feel about it uh, after they, I mean, do you, do you think that they're excited or are they, are, are they confused?
4: <laughs>
0: a, a bit of both,
4: actually. I would say that, that, that uh, definitely like starting with the subtitles right away there was a, um, there was a bit of a, a disconnect. I felt like, I don't know, I, I'm no I'm no Betazoid, but I definitely felt a bit of a, okay, I was expecting English. Um, but in, you know, I mean, as the, as the episode picked up, definitely, you know, once you got to like Michelle Yeoh and, um, Martin Green, the way they played off each other, I think that was really interesting. They have really good chemistry, uh, on screen and, uh, Uh, Sarah's character as well um, sort of added a nice little kind of McCoy-esque foil. I think someone mentioned that earlier. Um, And so I think, I think there, there's some recognizable bits, but you know, I mean, there might be some, some moments that we as Trek folk might just think, Oh yeah, well that's what they're talking about. But to the uninitiated, uh, definitely there could be a little bit of, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You just lost me there.
1: Mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right, Barry. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. We'll let you uh, get back to your trekking. Uh, yes. there, Clearly, you have plenty of stuff to keep yourself occupied. <laughs> All right. A lot of toys. Thank you. Yes. Nice. Nice. All right. All right take take care, man. Thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to go to some questions here from the uh, Facebook chat. Uh, Jocelyn, our friend Jocelyn says, I find the TNG DS9 era Klingon so incredibly boring, so I'm very happy to get a new variety of Klingon in Discovery. Um, Okay. <laughs> sure. I mean, there, there was, uh, I, I think maybe that goes back to what Barry was saying about being a, a, a what was it? A, a mile wide and an inch deep rather than the other way around. Uh, mm-hmm. So we got a lot of Klingons, but maybe not necessarily out of depth with Klingons. Yeah. So I, I feel you there. Um, and I guess I, you know, the, the thing that we could ask ourselves about the Klingon motivation here is that all right, if T'Chakuvma feels like they need to be they need to be reunited in order to what, uh, rediscover their culture, rediscover who they are as Klingons, is that necessarily mm-hmm. a bad motivation? You know, if we were to say that about uh, the people of Earth, if we were to say that, uh, well, it's not a bad thing necessarily for the different cultures of Earth living on different continents on Earth to uh, assess and rediscover some sort of common humanity, common purpose, common goal. That's not necessarily a terrible thing. I think you can certainly argue that the Klingons try to find that through battle, through <laughs> the, the shared experience of right. war, which is abhorrent and terrible. But right. um, may, maybe that's an angle here about uh, what's driving the Klingons that we could actually try to understand.
2: Well, it, it almost goes back to the, um, to the thing that we hit on when Amy asked about Roe earlier, right? I mean, so what do we know about Tehukovna? The ship was derelict. Other Klingons were just sort of playing on it. And certainly that could be, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? That could be uh, allegorical or metaphorical, like they were playing on his father's ship. Okay, well, basically that just means like they were walking around pretending to be Klingon, but not really being Klingon, right? And so he's been this outsider. So his desire to draw them all together might just be a desire to be a part of something bigger than himself, which is exactly what he said uh, to and about Bach. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of cool with them all like, going all over the place if them coming back together means war automatically. Yeah, I'm assuming we have one of the calls that we're going to get to. Before we do that, though, I want to let you know about something else that we would love for you to do this evening. Um, After our show, stay on Facebook and catch the live recording of Priority One, also a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Uh, They used to record on Thursday nights. They now record on Tuesday nights because they also want to talk about Discovery. Um, But they're doing a lot more than that. Each week, it's Elijah, Kenna, Tony and Winters. I bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. Uh, TV and movies, gaming news, literary reviews, uh, plus a whole bunch of other stuff, they will kick off uh, pretty soon after our show ends, so sometime after eleven p m eastern eight p m Pacific every Tuesday night live on Facebook, so when this show is over, uh, please head over to their show it 's facebook dot com slash priority one podcast because you could have a whole night of star trek discussion, and wouldn 't that be um, less than enough for everybody.
1: Ken, I'm going to take another question here from uh, from the Facebook chat. Dave says, Hi, David. Uh, do you think they will reference Spock, Pike, Kirk, Archer, etc., or even see these types of people on camera? Well, I mean, they've kind of laid the groundwork for that by having Sarek. Um, we've kind of laid the groundwork for that by having certain sound effects and making references. We mentioned Donatu five, uh, from the trouble with tribbles. So there are the, are these little hallmarks that they are mentioning. I was really glad today. I saw an article about, uh, David Allen Mack's book, uh, in which the crew of the Shenju encounter Pike and his enterprise. And he did a fun little bit of retconning by saying that, uh, The uniforms that we see in the the Pike era and TOS era uh, stories were reserved specifically for those people on Constitution-class starships. Hence, Enterprise, uh, hence seeing Matt Decker and the Doomsday Machine wearing that style of uniform. It's just that everybody we've seen has been wearing that type of uniform. Doesn't mean that the other stuff didn't exist. So, um, yeah, if you want to read more, check out David Allen Mack's uh, first Discovery novel. I forget the title of it. I don't have that in front of me. But, uh, yeah, that is one of the officially licensed Star Trek Discovery novels. So, yeah, wow. I, David, I, I think they are laying the groundwork for exactly that. To what extent? I don't know. I honestly hope that Discovery sticks with its own stories, sort of the integrity of what they're trying to do, and not just force a bunch of stuff in there. But it is fun when you pick that up.
2: I gotta say, Discovery has already done something absolutely amazing. It got John Champion to talk about a Star Trek novel. <laughs> that... <laughs> Never again. Never again. That's almost, that's almost enough right there. No, yeah, we're done we got, here. we got more of them coming out, I think. Speaking of which, are we? I think we are done here, right?
1: Yeah. I believe we'll wrap it up in the traditional way by uh, reading the credits.
2: Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Network's producer Brandon Bradley. Uh, do be sure to visit uh, podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest. From the roddenberry podcast network including not just mission log but also women at warp and priority one and don't forget they kicked off in just a a very few minutes facebook.com slash priority one podcast and we would again like to thank eagle moss and the official star trek starships collection for sponsoring this show don't forget to check out their deals uh, st-starshipsxl.com slash shop and if you missed any part of this show it should actually play again here, you know, when you hit again or something. And uh, it will be up as an audio podcast soon.
1: Hey, and once again, cheers, everybody. And thank you so much for joining us. I, I'm just seeing the uh, the good nights and the thanks. And um, that is incredibly gratifying. We really think, thank each and every one of you for joining us. And we will see you again Tuesday night, 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern, right here at Facebook Live.